Well, everybody get logged into your iPad. I mean, get your Bibles out. Yeah, well, Pastor is listening right now, so we got to be careful what we say and do. So hopefully he's not watching because he was in route, heard the road noise in the background. So anyway, um, let's go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 55. <clears throat> For me, a portion of scripture, we're not staying tonight, but to definitely be what we kind of frame what we're talking about tonight. And uh, I see look of concern from Ryan. He's a man of few words, but his look really gets to you after a while. Are we good now, Ryan? Okay. Quiet people are like that. I keep an eye on them. I don't want to make them mad. All right. So Isaiah chapter 55 and verses 6 through 8. You know, as we're getting started, of course, um, everything is about a uh, point of reference, right, and keeping the right frame of mind. We're going to talk about God's purposes versus ours tonight and what we believe we'd like to see God do or what we'd like to see happen in our life. You know, it kind of reminds us of the story of pastor one time. He was uh, he was had a big building program. You know, you don't have any pastors that do that, do you? Uh, but pastors, they have these big building programs. they got to pay for them. So he thought, you know, how am I going to raise money and get money to pray for this building? He said, you know what I'll do? I'll get up in the pulpit and I'll make an offer. So he got up there. He said, you know what? He said, folks, I'm going to give a thousand. Uh, if you give a thousand dollars, I'll let you pick the next three hymns and we'll do that. And you'll get to pick your hymns. And so he got up there. He offered that to him. Lady immediately raised her hand. Little old lady in the back raised her hand. She says, I'll give it. He said, all right, and what are your three hymns? She said, him, him, and him. And so they weren't on the same page or the same wavelength, but I will tell you this, that we can do the same thing. We get off the script, and what we're supposed to be doing as believers, and tonight we're going to talk a little bit about that. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 through 8 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Tonight I want to talk about getting blessing God's way and doing it God's way. Blessing God's way. Let's pray and we'll get started. Holy Father, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for the opportunity to share thy word. And we look forward to what you have for us. I pray that you would just let your spirit work in the life of each and every one. And Lord, we thank you so much for this time now. We pray your blessing upon it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Go back over to Genesis. Uh, we're, we are in Genesis. I know you thought, boy, he pulled out of Genesis all of a sudden. We know when I've been getting up here, but staying within the book. And so let's head over to Genesis chapter 27 real quick. And as you're getting over there, just to frame it a little bit and give some context, um, when we talk about God's thoughts and God's ways, you know, for the believer, there is a uh, there, there is th- there are things that we want to see done in our life, and we want to see God work in a certain way, and we have expectations. Uh, nothing's worse than failed expectations in our life. Um, I, I see anytime you see frustration, it's the result of failed expectation. And sometimes we have frustration when it's really not, it's nonsensical. It's not, you shouldn't be looking for the expectation. Right. And I'll give you a good example. Just turn over to ABC, NBC, CBS, or any of the others for your news. And guess what you'll find out if you're getting frustrated? You've got some failed expectations. When you look at the politics and what's going on around us, and you get struggling, you're, you're just so frustrated. I mean, I don't know about you, but well, we can, you can get rather, you sit there and look. But you start to think about the context of what you're looking at and the source from where you're getting it from. And those frustrations, where are they really coming from? Well, they're coming from failed expectations. We know that, that God has a purpose and a way for our life that we can rest in and we can trust Him for. 
you know, as we think about those expectations of life, you know, I, I had a, a, a young man in my office just the other day, and um, he was emotionally distraught. Um, I, I do not see this man cry, um, but he did, and he broke, and he broke down in the office. And the burden of what's going on around him is hard. Um, many of you know that we are going through changes, and all of us are uh, work. I know, you know, the health industry, government, and everywhere. It's a lot of frustrations out there about what's going on in society and what's happening, and we see these things, and it frustrates us. You know, there's so many things that that we see here in and around us that frustrate us, and yet God has given us the ability through his word to understand if we look through the lens of God's word and his purposes and trust his way and remember that maybe everything that we see and the things that we go through, we recognize we don't understand the end of it. And we understand that God is even using the wicked purposes of this world to, for, to, to accomplish his will. Nothing would have been worse than to be there on the night that Judas kissed Christ. And I applaud the man sometimes that pulled a sword out, right? Because that's how I feel. And Jesus told him to put it away. The others are wondering, should we do the same? Should we defend or should we, should we stand up on this? And, and you know, but there was, a, there was a purpose in what was happening that went beyond them. Something they didn't understand and would eventually put them on a fishing boat, disillusion. But I think about all the things that, that has gone on in the lives of the people throughout scriptures that were unexpectedly, they see these things happen before them and they don't understand it at the time. Some of them pass the test, some of them don't. And some of them, you know, where they fail, they succeed, they go through different things. And we come to this passage in chapter 27 and we see here uh, a very familiar story uh, this story, as we think about it, has has got a uh, just a, a, a lot of uh, uh, things here that that really are not. There's nothing. There's really not anything positive here. Uh, it, it's it's there. Everybody in this story does something wrong, and they they really struggle here with God's purposes and God's will and God's way. You know, as we think about uh, 27 verses 1 through 4, let's pick up reading there. It says, And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out to the field, and take me some venison, and make me savory meat such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, and that my soul may bless thee before I die. You know, we come to this point where in Isaac's life, and he believes that he's going to die. And, you know... As we think about Isaac and his life, uh, Isaac has been a blessed young man in his time. And, of course, they lived a little longer back then, and so young is relative, right? But, you know, as we think about um, Isaac and, and his life and what he's going through here, we do recognize that he's, he's a man that has, has, been, has seen the hand of God move in special ways, and, you know, as we think about his, his life, uh, he, he was a man that, that got to go up on the mount and see God bless and, and uh, you know, spare him from being sacrificed. And, um, you know, the Lord used that in his life, no doubt. He, he learned a lot about God's provision. And, you know, he got to see how his dad responded to those things. And, you know, so as we think about that, Looking for something here. As we think about that, Isaac was a man who he, he knew what was right. He knew what, if we go back to 
the earlier chapters and follow that, he had a pattern of that in his life. And he was blessed to see God move in that way. He, he got to see how God even provided his own wife uh, through just the blessing of being able to see the faith of a servant go and, and see her come out. And, you know, how happy he was to see God's purpose accomplished, even in something and finding a wife. And so, you know, when we think about what, what's going on here, um, there, Isaac certainly has the right background, the right understanding. Um, his dad had failed at times, uh, but his dad learned lessons, lessons that were important. Um, he at times didn't trust the Lord, and he went down into Egypt, and he, during times of famine, he, he, he ended up lying and creating a big mess for himself. And instead of trusting God and his purposes and ways to stay in the land of famine and to be patient in a land of famine, he chose to work it out his own way. And, you know, working it out your own way is very dangerous. But to get God's blessing, you need to do it God's way. And sitting here tonight, you may think, you know what? I've got some struggles. I'm frustrated. There are things that are hard for me right now, and they're difficult. As you think about those things, keep in mind that God is still in control and that God's purposes will be accomplished no matter what is going on around you, no matter how turbulent the time might be. And you think about Abraham and how turbulent some of the things were around his life. And probably I can't think of the, uh, something, you know, and we preached on this in the last, last time I was here, and I probably weirded you out with the knife, you know, showing you, talking about the, the sacrifice. People were scared it was going to get cut that night. Oh, I'm probably, you know, it's probably been, that would have been really good effects, wouldn't it? And, uh, you know, I think about that, and, and I think about the fact, though, that when you see Abraham approaching the mount, you don't see him being drugged there. He is willingly going because Abraham had an expectation. And what was that expectation? That he could rise again, that God could resurrect that young man. That young man was promised to him, and he believed God could fulfill it. You know, you may be sitting here tonight, and you may be thinking, I don't see how it's going to work out. Well, I can tell you this, when you think about Abraham, he didn't know how it was going to work out. I think sometimes we try to think through a situation way too far. We try to plan it out. I'm that way. I will plan everything out to a point where I want to know how this plane lands. And the truth is, I just need to go get in a seat. And I think so many times... We fear so many things and we struggle with so many things that God says, hey, that's for me to handle. That's for me to have. That's for me to take care of. And if we're not careful in our day-to-day life, we begin to put our hands on things that are not ours to plan or to purpose. But they are things that we must look at here and say, I know what God says. I know what his word says. And you, we're careful that we don't, we, we shouldn't take that. So if you go and go back over to uh, chapter 25. Now that I've lost a piece of paper, I'm going to have to toggle a little bit. So y'all hang on while I push the buttons up here, but it's all right. It makes it a little harder, but we'll get through it. So as we think about, um, you know, Jacob and Esau, we kind of pick up on the story in here, and then we get chapter 26, and you kind of get another uh, fragment there of, of uh, Isaac and Rebekah. similar thing happens to them with, uh, as with his father. He doesn't go down to Egypt, but he does lie in chapter 26, and we'll mention that a little bit. Um, but the Bible says in chapter 25, in, uh, let's start verse 20. Uh, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel the Syrian of Padanaram, the sister to Laban the Syrian. 
And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went, this caught my attention. She went to inquire of the Lord. Now, ladies, those who have had children, let's look and see if Amber was here. She's not. But I think I can ask those that have you know, qualified here. Have you ever had a, a child topsy turve and do gymnastics in, inside of you? Yeah. And you, do you ever, did you ever spank them when they did that? No. Did you, you, know, you pushed them, right? I see, you see them pushing them, pushing them. How'd you like to have two? And how'd you like to have those two rascals fighting? I mean, can you imagine your first sibling fight is in the womb? I mean, these two are going at it. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've never heard a woman, I've never heard this said, things got so uh, such a ruckus happen that she had to start praying to God. But I want to tell you, ladies, you better be thankful you never had that kind of fight going on inside of you, okay? So Rebecca had one memorialized here, a fight inside the womb. And so she goes to praying to God. What's going on? <laughs> and uh, some things strike me funny, don't strike everybody else funny. So you can tell I spent a long time on that one. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger, and the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Okay. So there are two people in you, they represent two nations, and this extreme activity is to point out the Lord is communicating to Rebecca, right? The, the fight, yes, the boys, I mean, I don't even know, how could they even know each other and not like each other? I don't know. Um, but, you know, here it is, they're going at it, they're just tussling in there, and the Lord uses this to point out a fact. Here's the fact. Two nations... And one will serve, one will be stronger, the, and it says the elder shall serve the younger. Now the truth is, this is related to the blessing which is getting ready to occur in chapter 27. And church, as we look at this passage, it gives us what we would look at in man's purposes, a positive and a negative. We would say, well, the positive is the person who's getting served, right? That's the positive. And the negative is the one that has to serve. But as in the economy of the Scriptures, has serving ever been seen negative? No. Being, somebody's got to be subservient. Someone's got to lead. Someone has to follow. So we would just call this the plan of God, right? God did not, in his foreknowledge and his understanding, he's just telling what's going to happen. And when we look at this, this is just to acknowledge God's plan. They're really, for, for those who, who follow, that's not a negative. For those who serve, it's not a negative. By the way, they're two boys. Guess what? One's going to be blessed, double portioned, and be the leader. And one is not. If we flip this around, let's say it's the elder is going to be served. Okay. Does that make it that the one who's serving is now diminished in some way? Well, it depends on what kind of economy you're running on. If you are looking at it from man's perspective, ah, that's negative. That's bad. But when you look at it from God's economy, the greater, blessing, the greater blessing has always come by the one who humbled themselves. And so a lot of times when I've approached this scripture, I've come at it with, that's not, finish it for me, church, fair. But I can tell you this, that's a wrong and failed expectation. Embracing the role that God has provided you and I is of the 
utmost importance when it comes to expectations. What role do you play? What role do I play in the church, in my Christian walk? I don't have the things you have and you don't have things I have and we can compare ourselves against people all over the world. I'll tell you this, we're, we're probably in the, definitely the top percentage when you compare us against the world. We're blessed beyond measure. But you look at this and you say, yeah, God's plan, he just gives her, a, tells her a plan, he tells her a purpose, he tells her what's going on. And Isaac, she was not told to keep it from Isaac. I'm sure Isaac was aware and it was very clear. And when her days were to be delivered, verse 24, behold, there were twins in her womb. No, no doubt after all that fighting. And the first came out red all over. And uh, they called him what, church? They did not. What does that name mean? Harry. Harry. His name was Harry, okay? So after that, his brother came out and his hand took hold on Esau's heel and his name was called Jacob, uh, supplanter, heel catcher, the guy who trips people up. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. And the boys grew and Esau was a cunning hunter and a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. Venison, you've got to be able to talk. Sip some more water. But Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage. And Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now, we want to be clear. I I had to read this portion of Scripture. And we're setting up chapter 27. And so we understand what's going on. Uh, We definitely have two boys here who grow up. And two different ways, and we're not going to diminish either lifestyle, but we do know this, that Esau was a mighty hunter. By the way, was there another mighty hunter in the Bible? Yeah, Nimrod was, wasn't he? And, you know, that's uh, kind of ironic, isn't it? And so you have Jacob, I guess we'd call him the mama's boy, uh, the homeboy, uh, the, you know, he stayed in tents. Listen, he did stay in care. We, we know he goes and gets the goat and, and things like that. So we know he, he's probably caring for things around. He's probably not in the tent all day. Okay. And, uh, by the way, it's okay to be a man and cook, right, Chris? Okay. So, um, there's nothing negative put on these two, but I'll tell you what it does point out. It points out the affection of the parents. You see their interests aligned with the parents' interests. What kind of expectations do we have for our children? Do they fulfill the things that we want them to do? Or do we expect them to fulfill the things that God wants them to do? Well, they got to get into a good college. They got to do this. They got to do that. No, they need to be right with God. And you know, as I start to read chapter 27... Everybody in this room knows we're headed for a train wreck. If you're getting on this train right now, you know this is not going to go well. In fact, you can feel the tension. You can feel the tension already. Because when Esau comes back, he's, he's, he's been coddled enough in his life that because he skipped a meal, that he's going to what class? Uh, class church. What's he going to do? He's going to die. I've said it before. Right, Beverly? No, I'm just kidding. I got a sugar low, you know. Sad for Esau. How about Jacob? Do you think that he knew about the birthright? Do you think he was focused on it? I wonder why. 
I bet Mama had told him. Just guessing here. They didn't have phones so she could call and gossip to the next tent so they, she could just tell the boy you know, everything she knows. He probably had to listen to that all day long. But you know, you think about that. that this, this whole thing is framed with the wrong expectations. And they are looking at their children as something to be consumed upon their own desires and what they want. It's not good. This whole thing has become a mess. And Jacob, of course, takes advantage of Esau. And Esau despises his birthright. In chapter 26, we see a passage here where uh, they go down into the Philistine area. And we see that they come back. And I want to skip beyond that um, to verse uh, 34. In chapter 26, and Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Beri the, the Hittite, and Bashamath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, which were a grief of mind unto who? Isaac and to Rebekah. Do not be surprised that when you model the kind of behavior that they're modeling and how they're, they're taking both of them, and, 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 and using their affections and consuming their affections and not turning those affections to the Lord properly. Now, Rebecca may be doing a little better job because we're going to see that here soon. She, she is relating, I'm sure, that God has picked him. There's a purpose and plan. But Isaac, Isaac has not had a conversation with Esau. Don't you think this could... I told you it was going to be a train wreck as a parent. What if he would have started and said, God has a plan. And God wants Jacob to be blessed. Hey, and son, there's a blessing for you. And God loves you. And he wants the best for you. And stuff doesn't matter. Venison doesn't matter. Hunting doesn't matter. Your hobbies, your interests, the things that I like to do with you, the things that I enjoy, it's not about that. It's about what God wants. We might have circumvented a train wreck. See, a lot of people say, well, it's got to head that way. It's a positive and it's a negative. It's serving and the, the guy who's leading now and who's going to be in charge. If we do that, then we totally minimize the fact that God's all given us a role and an opportunity to fulfill God's plan, and that there can be a plan for both Jacob and Esau. You see, a lot of people like to say that Esau was condemned to this, and he was not. God, in his foreknowledge, knew Esau's profane spirit and his vain living and his choices. And he lives them out in such a way that he goes down and he takes wives of the Canaanites because he wants to live the way he wants to live, and what he wants. And what he expects out of life is not what God wants. Not what God's plan. He's not been pointed in that direction. And so now we come to chapter 27 with Isaac understanding this. And the Bible says that he is old. We know that he's 137 years old. And um, he feels like he's going to die. Does anybody know how old he was when he died? He was 180 years old. You ever have somebody who says, I think I'm just going to die? I know a person. I, I, in fact, I have to be careful not to slip this out. I know a person who has been dying literally for the last 35 years. The last 35 years. It's, they're dying. It's sad. You know? I'm, I'm getting ready to die. 43 years you're going to live on. And there's another reason for that. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But he's old. His eyes couldn't see. And he was struggling along. And he, by the way, he's ready to cash it in. And such are the people who don't embrace the role God has given them. If you work off this world's economy of strength and beauty, finances, politics then when you're exhausted of those, so is your purpose. 
then there's no more need for you. But I can tell you this. Senior living care is filled with godly ladies praying. I know because I've talked to them before. I've done nursing home ministry and you find out there's some of the godliest people that can't do things physically, but you know what they say? I can pray. I can do what God's given me to do. And in God's economy, everybody has a role. If you're drawing breath tonight, you have a role. And God has a plan and God has a purpose for you. If you think I don't have the talents, I don't have the money, I don't have the social influence, I don't have the... God doesn't need any of that. He just needs you. But when we get to chapter 27, Isaac has just about felt spent. And he's wore out. And he thinks, I'm going to die. And he wants to box God in by calling in Esau. By the way, this would be something typically done as an event. And there'd be others there. But guess who's the only two in the, in the, in the tent? These two. Why is that? Because who cares about the truth? I have an expectation and I'm going to make sure that he gets this. But he's got a nosy wife and that helps. So... You say, that's terrible to talk about Rebecca that way. We'll deal with it when we get to heaven. So, but in verses 5 through 10, let's pick up there. So we've seen Isaac. We're going to go through each one here and, and talk about each of these characters. Rebecca heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to the, that which I command thee. Go now to the flock, fetch me from thence two, two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father that he may eat and that he may bless thee before his death. So we come to Rebekah. And by the way, I believe Rebecca knew and lived according to what God had said in the sense of she knew Jacob was the one. And I believe there that she, uh, she tells him here and, and she says she wants him to do what she commands. And that's a problem. Sometimes when we live in a place of control, it has to be about control and manipulation. And listen, even when it's... It's good control and it's good manipulation. That's how people usually see it, right? It's good manipulation. It's good control. It's still bad. Because what you're doing is you're saying, hey, you do what I say instead of, hey, you do what God says. See, God's in control. She was not willing in her manipulative ways you know, Isaac was calling the hand of God in this, and he was being stubborn. He's just being stubborn. She's being manipulative. She didn't trust those two. So she just went, okay, I'll fix this. And you know, Christian, we can be the same way. We're constantly trying to fix life and fix others. But the truth is, until we embrace the reality God's given us and the role we have, manipulating circumstances around us will do nothing more than put us on the throne of our own heart and lift us up in ungodly pride. Let's be faithful to say, God, what's your plan? God says, stay. And when they had famine, what did God say? Stay. But every time they, you know, here it is, they want to they trust themselves and their own ability. How about Sarah with Hagar? You know, they want to find ways of fulfilling. I'm going to, and what is that really saying? God, I'm going to help you do your plan and your purpose. I'm going to help you get there because you can't. God, I was listening to the tent. 
and I could hear what was said, and that's not what you said. And so I'm going to, I'm just going to go over here, and I'm going to tell Jacob what he needs to do. And so she goes in there. And isn't it ironic that those who are led by the flesh and only follow their senses can be deceived by their senses? And she knew that. Did you pick up on the fact that he thought the only way to get game meat and to get the food that he loved was to go through his son? And what does his wife say? I'll take care of that. She was... Rebecca could cook the exact meal he wanted. But didn't get it from wild game. She went and got two goats. You say... Couldn't he tell the difference? No. And that is the way the flesh can be tricked. And she she was already thinking in these terms of how she can manipulate this situation and to do this in a way that would accomplish God's will and take care of it because that's the expectation she had. You know, church, one of the things that is hard to do is to confront others with the truth. And I can tell you this, I cherish my wife's input. And she's careful. She does it respectful. But, men, you better listen. Because if you ever turn her off and she doesn't feel like she can approach you and tell you the truth, you're in trouble. Because you'll be teaching her to act a different way. You're going to be teaching her that she's got to manipulate you and that she's got to turn things a certain way and set you up to get you to do right. That's dangerous. So dangerous. That happens because of failed leadership in the home. And I believe Isaac had failed to a point. She saw it. She said he's going to bless Esau regardless of what God says. So you know what? I'm going to stand up and I'm going to do my part to ensure God's will. And she's just as wrong as Isaac is. You know, she comes in there. She could say, here's one for you. How about 2 Samuel 12, 7? Nathan said to David, thou art the man. How about Job 5, 17? Behold, happy is the man God correcteth. I love this one, Psalm 141.5, let the righteous, what? Smite me. Isaac, if you would have opened up and said, I relish and cherish God's plan, God's purpose, that's the expectation I have for this family. Esau, you will serve your brother. You will be a nation and you will be blessed. And God loves you, Esau. He wants the best for you. Jacob, you're going to be a leader. Hey, listen, you better pay attention because you're a leader. And he's going to be watching you. And that's backwards. I get it, guys. But we do things the way God does it. And I'll tell you something, Rebecca. If I step out of line from God's purpose and plan, you let me know. I mean, she would have had full license to walk in there and go, hey, what are we doing? What's going on? But she didn't feel that way. And he had created a wife that instead of being a helpmeet, had become a stumbling block to more than just him, to the entire family. Verses 11 through 17. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My, fir- my father, peradventure, will feel me, and I shall sing to him as a deceiver. And that word also means a mocker, you know, like a, he's mocking him. And I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice, and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread 
which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. And so preparations are made to steal the blessing. And, you know, Jacob's concern, well, at least he asked a question, um, but he is, you know, going along with this plan, even though his concern is related not to the right and wrongness of it, but to whether or not he would get what? Caught, right? And if he gets caught, he's going to take a cursing. And so when we look at this, you know, he's more concerned about what will work versus what's right and wrong. The expectation is if it works, it's okay to do. And if we're not careful, we can have that happen in our life. We start looking for what works rather than what's right. We get away from the Word of God and we get into our own plans and our own purposes and our own will and our own way. You know, all of these, they're acting in man-centered wisdom and energy. There's nothing there according to divine or the spiritual. And, you know, I think about this. Even Esau himself has agreed to something that he should know is not his to have. By the way, what did he do, church? He sold his birthright. That would have been known. He despised it. And what they've done here has put the blessing in a place it never belonged. And that is, it is for the benefit of man and not the benefit of God. And as leadership and as homes at Lighthouse Baptist Church, if we ever start pointing to what benefits those who we lead and those that follow, if we start pointing to what success is according to the world and we start embracing that, we're in a very dangerous place. Our focus should be like our face is set like a flint for the cross and understanding that it's about God's purpose, God's plan, God's way. Let me ask you something, church. If Jacob blesses Esau, I mean, if Isaac blessed Esau a hundred times, does it really matter? Because it's circumventing what? The will of God, the purpose and plan of God. And I know this is hard for Rebecca to accept. But I can promise you this. Isaac is not going to derail God's plan. And that's a hard thing to do. If you're sitting here tonight and you go, yeah, but they're not doing right. They're not. First of all, have you shared the tr- have you Have you gone and shared the truth? Have you talked to them? Secondly, if they're going to do it anyway... You don't need to manipulate. You don't need to deceive. Keep reading here in verses 18 and on. Verse 18 through 27, he came to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. Liar. I have done according as thou hast badest me. Liar. Arise, I pray thee, and sit in eat of my venison. Liar. And that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? He said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Wow, big liar. We're telling white lies before. Now we're in big lies, right? And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not because his hands were hairy and his brothers, as his brother's Esau's hands. So he blessed him and he said, Are thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am, liar. And he said, Bring it near me and I, um, bring it near me and I will eat of my son's venison that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him and he did eat. And he brought him wine and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and he kissed him and he smelled 
the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of the field which the Lord hath blessed. It's amazing how much lying is going on here. But Isaac has encouraged this by telling him, by, by communicating to him through his actions that it's all about you and getting ahead on a certain earthly plane than it is to do God's will. And by the way, you can never trust anybody who lives that way. You notice his questions? Are you, are you Esau? And eventually he's like, well, I hear Jacob, come here. He's having to do all these things. Folks, when you live according to God's plan, you don't have to sit around and suspect everybody else's motives because you're not worried about them. You know why? You're not trusting them. They can't promote you. They can't help you. They're not going to deliver you. Who is? God is. And no matter how hard you try, you can go to the life of Joseph. What a wonderful example, right? He had some pretty bad brothers, right? They couldn't stop it. He had a pretty bad boss and certainly a bad boss's wife. They couldn't stop it. You know, you can look at Joseph's life and see how, how God just provided. He just accepted wherever he was at. What did he do? He accepted the role God had given him all the way down to being a sex offender in a prison. Think about that. That's a hard role to swallow. But train's headed down for the train wreck, so we got to keep going. So we see here in verse, uh, pick up there and... Um, Verse 30, it came to pass as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting, and he also made savory meat and brought it unto his father, and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac his father said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac, what, church? Trembled very exceedingly. You know, when he trembles, it's probably the first level of conviction he's had in a very long time. By the way, God brings you to rock bottom sometimes and you realize, Lord, I'm fighting you and I'm fighting your purposes. And I believe that's where Isaac is. Let's keep reading. He says there, Where is he that have taken venison and brought it me? And I've eaten all before thou camest and have blessed him. Yea, and what does it say? He shall be blessed. By the way, Isaac has given, in Hebrews 11, he has given a place in the faith chapter for blessing Jacob. And I believe it's right here where that's being acknowledged. It's not the step before. It's the step after. When he blesses Jacob, he is accomplishing God's purpose. And when he realizes Esau comes in, he realizes I didn't get to box God in, and God has won, and I'm going to step back. By the way, if that's where you are, if you've been stubborn with God, and you're hanging on to something, and you're just saying, I'm going to do it my way, I'm going to make God. You know, I had a guy one time, I'll never forget it, he was struggling with things and stuff like that, so to remove the choices in his life, you know what he did? He went and joined the military. But you know what? God's in the military too. Where can you go to get away from God, right? By the way, eventually, you know what happens? That stint's over with. And guess what? He came back home, and guess what he had to deal with? The same things he always had to deal with. See, I'll box God in somewhere. Sure you will. No, you won't. And he says, he shall be blessed. And oh boy, does it turn loose now. Esau heard the words of his father, and he cried with a great and exceeding, what does it say there? Bitter cry. We'll see that again somewhere else. And said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, he said unto his father, Bless me, even also my brother. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety and have taken away thy blessing. 
And he said, is he not rightly named Jacob where he has supplanted me? You see, we're still on the economy of, see how he tricked me and all that? By the way, Isaac had an opportunity here to say, no, God has done this, son, and correct him. But Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy Lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants, and with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I now do unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. You know, Second um, Corinthians 7 talks about a godly sorrow versus the world's sorrow. And, um, you know, we think about Judas... He had a worldly sorrow. Esau's in a worldly sorrow because his economy is all about and his expectations is all about what he wants, what he wants to do. And he is a profane person. He is completely profane. And, you know, as we see this, he says here, he says things that are not true. He said that he took away my birthright. No, you sold it. And by the way, for people who get mad at God, they get mad at God for a life they chose, typically. People get so frustrated with what, you know, and, and they get frustrated with the consequences of sin and they blame God so often. He chose this path. And he lifts up his voice and weeps. And you know, we know that Hebrews chapter 12 addresses this. And, you know, we think about the fact that, you know, when, when you're following all through the, uh, the you know, within Hebrews there, when Esau is confronted here with what's happened and he's, he's struggling, go down to, go over to Hebrews chapter 12 and let's look there. It gives its description of him. And um, let's start with verse, uh, actually verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know that how afterward he, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully, with tears. You know, failing of the grace of God. Here's the grace of God that you and I get to serve God and do what He's called us to do. And we are a blessed people. But when we live life with expectations of what we want and where we want to go, then we become bitter when those things don't happen. And that's what makes people go insane. And that's exactly what happens with Esau. He is weeping with great bitter tears. And bitterness will destroy an individual. It will destroy a family. And it will become something that they can't, get, they can't avoid, they can't get away from. And, of course, in verses 39 through 40, he's given that limited blessing. He's still blessed in a sense, but he doesn't receive that double portion. And in verses 41 through 46, this is what happens with bitterness. Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The day of mourning for my father at hand, then I will what? Slay my brother Jacob. And these words of Esau, her elder son, were told to Rebekah. And she went and called Jacob, her younger son, and said unto him, Behold, thy brother Esau touching thee doth comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. So here's the thing. Rebecca, we've been talking about Isaac for a while. Rebecca, you're, get, you're getting the fruit of what you did. Yeah, you controlled it, but what you can't control is the whirlwind that spun out because you're manipulating the situation. And here's the problem. We'll never be able to control every aspect of everyone and all the circumstances around us. There is no way that's going to work. And I don't think she had considered that in her calculation. He's going to kill him. And I'm going to lose him. Yep. And by the way, we're talking about somebody who's a what? Profane person. A person who's already taken on Canaanite wives. He's still living right there in the area. 
and he's planning on getting him. And, you know, now she's she's still controlling things, folks, because <laughs> she tells him, she says, um, tells him in verse 43 to go over to her brother's place, uh, which he's a real delight too. Um, and, of course, verse 45, until thy brother's anger turn away from thee, and he forget that which thou hast done to him. Isn't it funny how she's not a part of it anymore? Like what he did? Do you notice that she's not going to him and saying, hey, 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 that's me. Put that on me. Remember, it was supposed to be her curse. I mean, now she's like, hey, you need to run. <laughs> you need to get out of here. Back to back tent door, you know. And, of course, she's now scheming and planning to turn away and anger that's motivated by a lack of spiritual understanding and concern, now she's trying to manipulate and control again this situation. And it gets better. She can't stop controlling stuff. Uh, look there in verse 46. What does she say is the reason for, I, for, for Jacob leaving? Well, you know, these girls that Esau married... Yeah, they're driving us crazy. Why not tell him the truth? Why not say, Isaac, Esau just threatened to kill Jacob. You know why? Because she doesn't trust Isaac. It's still that pattern of trust. And now, she's having to lie to him again. Now, it's a half lie, right? Yes, they are burdened that these Canaanite wives are here. That's not the reason. Rebecca, stop manipulating this. By the way, if you think these boys are little, Jacob is 70 years old during this time. If you go through, and the commentators all agree on this, he's 70 years old. Now, they lived a lot longer, but still, 70 years old. So don't think this is an impressionable young man. This is someone who's lived life. And she's in control. And she's, she's setting all this up. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these are, of the daughters of the Lamb, what good shall my life do me? No, what about, we still haven't gotten back to, it's God's purpose, God's plan. Now it's about, it's about these things things that are preferential between her and them. And, you know, she tells him to stay a few days. The stay in Haran turned out about 20 years. She'll never see her son again. See, that's the consequences of trying to control things. The things you're trying to protect and keep are the very things you lose. When you don't give it to God and you try to hold on to it, you lose it. And we don't have time for it because of time. But this is a tragic story where everyone lost. They schemed. They maneuvered. But I can tell you this. In all of it, God still accomplished his purpose. But there was a lot of consequences that had to be dealt with. One of those is the Edomite nation. And that never had to happen it never had to happen they were eventually obliterated Herod was the last known Edomite but they were eventually obliterated from the earth didn't have to be that way there could have been two boys serving God there could have been two nations that recognized God but it doesn't turn out that way I wish I had the ability to take you further. You know, Jacob's going to find Jacob's ladder, and we'll talk about that maybe the next time I get to speak. We'll have opportunities to talk about the positives that come and how God takes even man's twisted ways and continues to shape and form. Listen, God's purpose is on a straight line, and man may try to vary from it, but as, far, as hard as he pulls away, God's purpose is still accomplished. Everything is recentered on that fact alone you know i go back to the lord saying that my thoughts are not your thoughts my ways are not your ways in fact for as the high as the heavens are higher than the earth 
so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And if we really believe that, church, we shouldn't sit here tonight with one frustration about what God's brought into our life. You say, come on, Brother Hoyle. I understand. I'm not telling you it's easy to do. But when we come in this church tonight and we sit down with the burdens of our life, we need to recognize that we can have confidence because God's in control, God has a plan, God has a purpose, and throughout the New Testament, one of the most emphasized words that I have seen is patience and waiting on God, letting Him work. That's what we should be doing. But instead, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves working, manipulating, being stubborn, you know, doing like Esau, living profanely and worldly, or being like Jacob and being a deceiver and yielding to the things that tempt him most. We can fall into that trap. Let's be careful as a church. Be aware of the devil's traps. Be aware of our flesh and be aware of this world. We got to transcend all of that and keep our focus on God. Let's pray.